Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Anybody have a love-hate relationship with texting? Partly because everybody's on their stinking phones all the time now. Have y'all noticed that? I don't mean to sound like an old, bitter man. And I am guilty sometimes, but... Put your freaking phone down sometimes. Can I just say, you don't have to pick it up at every red light and then make me blow the horn at you when the red light turns and you're still on your phone. If they posted a picture, you can like it in 10 minutes. You do not have to like it right now. And when you're talking to me, that text message can wait. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now, I have a love-hate relationship uh, with, with text. I mean, on one side, it's a good thing, right? It cuts out the it cuts out the chit chat. I don't have to ask how your day is. Not that I don't care. I'm a pastor. I don't have to talk about the weather. I don't have to ask how your mom and them is. I don't have to go through any of that stuff. I can just tell you what I, what I want to tell you. Texting is also good because you can kind of get something out of your mind, right? Which is what y'all do to me, and then I have to remember it. You text me telling me something, and then I have to remember it. But anyway, that's a different story. So texting, texting's okay, but, but wouldn't you agree that it leaves a lot out of a conversation? Like communication isn't really meant to be in just a few characters. I mean, even, even when you use emojis, and, I, and I, I'm an emoji, frequent emoji user. Anybody else? Um, I do a lot of this. If you know me, you probably know why. Uh, I do some of this, and there's one particular person that I do a lot of. But emoji, oh, sorry, thank you. Emojis, emojis help, but have you ever, you ever been typing out, getting a text, you, you, you type out a, a, a response, and then you put your phone down, you realize later you forgot to hit send? How many of y'all have ever just used that and you didn't really respond at all? I know you tricks. But what happens when we rely on communication through, through texting, and I'm not railing on texting. I, I text all the time, text a lot. But I, I think many of you would have to agree with me that um, communication in 2022 is often lacking. That it, it's kind of moved from, from text messaging to just us being horrible communicators in, in general. And what happens is we forget to send the text or we don't understand the tone of the person or we don't have the conversation or we never meet them in person or we never use that little phone icon on our actual phone. And what happens is it results in, in poor communication. Good communication is, is important in, in any relationship. And in fact, I read a survey, a recent survey, that says that most er- uh, marriages that end, end because communication has broken down. Now, it may end ultimately due to financial trouble, but there was a communication breakdown before the financial trouble started. Or it might end because one spouse cheated on the other, but communication broke down somewhere long, long back that just caused the infidelity to happen. 
Most marriages end because of communication breakdown. The same survey said that a third of adults say that they've had a falling out with someone over misreading a text message. A study of 2,000 adults found that four in 10 can spend hours puzzling over someone's wording or tone in a text, trying to figure out if they were joking or annoyed. Now, hours, when I read that, it said hours, I thought, you need a life. But the second thing I thought, you need something to think about. The second thing I thought was, don't we do that? Like sometimes you, you read, and even if though you know the person, Sometimes you can't quite figure out if they're joking, if they're mad, did they ignore me, or are they ignoring me, did they really mean something, are they really talking about something from, from the other week? We, we had this whole thing, anybody ever subtweeting somebody? It's probably just maybe my generation, but what, what it is, is it's, it's a tweet or a Facebook post, in some of y'all's cases, that you send about somebody that's about them, but you don't mention their name. And, and, and so you read that and you're like, I bet, that, I bet that's about me. And so communication begins to, to break down. We're just not very good at communicating. And I think ultimately the breakdown in communication is ultimately an assignment sent from the enemy. I read um, a quote from David Osberger and in his book, Caring Enough to Hear and Be Heard, he said this. He said, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. To say something you value deeply to another and to have him or her value it equally by listening to it carefully and appreciatively is the most universal way of exchanging social interest or demonstrating affection. Most people can't distinguish the difference between listening, good communication, and love because it's so tied, our communication with each other is so tied to our love. So you can understand why Satan would, would, would want to break it down because if, if he can get communication to break down between you and your spouse, he can get you to quit communicating and you begin to feel alone, which means your mind begins to wonder about they, what they could be doing or what they could be saying. If he can get communication to break down between you and your kids, he can make your kids listen to all of the other voices that they shouldn't be listening to, and eventually he has them in his hands. If he can get communication to break down, if he can get you to be afraid of having the hard conversations, then what he can do is he can begin to drive a wedge in your relationship with your friend, with your coworker, with your spouse, with your kids, because you're not willing to have a hard conversation and really get forgiveness and talk it out. Poor communication affects relationships in the family, but it also affects relationships just in general. Today, I want us to continue this Protect This House series. And what I'm going to be talking about today, I really think um, uh, is, is vitally important within the family. But I also think it's important in any relationship we have. I want to talk from the topic of unsent messages. Unsent messages. Unsent messages. I'm going to be talking about communication or in the words of Doug Heffernan, communication. Anybody get that reference? Okay, for the five of you that did, you're on my team. The rest of you, it's a sitcom. Probably shouldn't recommend it necessarily. It's an old sitcom. Anyway, we're going to be talking about communication. Unsent messages. I want to go through three unsent messages that often lead to bad relationships. The first one is unsent assumptions. Unsent assumptions. Y'all know what they say about assuming, right? They're bad. <laughs> 
Unsent assumptions. You know, I was thinking about, and I, I think assumptions are often the hammer to broken relationships. When you and I, when we make assumptions about what someone may have said, about what someone may think about us, about a tone they may have had in a text message, I think assumptions are the hammer to broken relationships. They are the thing that ultimately breaks relationships without them being need to be broken. And so if, if I assume something about you, I begin to believe something about you. And if I just assume it and never communicate about it, I will continue to believe that. Assumptions are the hammer to broken relationships. But we've all done it, right? Assume that somebody else meant something that they never meant in their response to us. Have you done it? So they say something, whether it's through a text message, whether it's in person, and you automatically assume that it was either about you or it was something negative towards you, and it begins to drive a wedge in your relationship and in your communication with each other. In fact, in 2022, we hate giving people the benefit of the doubt, don't we? Like, we, we want to assume. It's almost like we want to assume that what they said or what they did was about us and, and, and it was a bad. In fact, we have this whole term called cancel culture. Have y'all heard of cancel culture? Basically, usually it mentions or pertains to a celebrity or something. But really, it's this idea that somebody said something a long time ago or they just said something. And they say one bad thing and we cancel them out of our lives. Or maybe they didn't even really say it. Maybe we're assuming that they said something and we cancel them out of our lives. Do you know so many relationships are canceled because something was assumed and never talked about? It was assumed that they said it. And so if, if I never communicate with them and ask them their real opinion, I will walk in my assumption and it will kill my relationship. And so I just cancel them out of my life because I don't want I, I to talk about it. We avoid communication and we don't give each other the benefit of the doubt. And something else that I see so often is we are offended so easily. It's almost like we, we wear being offended as a badge of honor. Y'all notice that? You offend people by what you say. You offend people by your silence. You offend people by the way you walk. You offend people by the way you sit down. You, everything is, 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 is an offense. And it's almost like we as, as Americans or we in 2022 almost wear it as a badge because if we can be offended, it's almost like it just pulls something up prideful inside of us. And so we walk around with assumptions, with offense, but here's something that I've tried to, tried to live by, and I don't claim to be an extremely wise person, but something that I will bank my money on is that I believe in people and I love people. And here's something I try to live by. If I think somebody said something and it may have been negative towards me, I assume it isn't. If somebody says something and it kind of comes across like maybe it was a shot at me, maybe they were trying to say something negative about me? I assume they didn't. Now, if it's blatant, and they lie to my face, or they say it to my face, or I can absolutely tell what direction they meant it. Now, I, 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 I don't live in ignorance, but if I just think that maybe they meant something negative, I assume that they didn't. And do you know what that does? It not only frees the other person, 
because they don't have to walk on eggshells around me. Some of you, in, inside of your house, you're offended and you get so angry at the people inside of your house that everybody, whether you know it or not, walks around on eggshells in your house. So it not only helps them, but do you know how freeing it is to me when I assume people mean the best? Because all of a sudden, I don't have to keep up with a record of do's and don'ts and people that have wronged me, you know? All of a sudden, I'm free from having to replay conversations in my mind. I'm free from spending hours mulling over a text message because I'm going to assume the best. Can we just be people? Can we just be a church? Can we just be the people in this room and watching online that actually give people the benefit of the doubt and assume the best? How much better would our world be? But instead, we bank our relationships and our conversation on these, on these assumptions. And there's people that are listening to me right now, and you're tired, and you're stressed out, and it's not because you haven't had enough sleep, and it's not because your life is that bad, but it's because you're offended at literally everything everybody does to you. And so because you've picked up so many offenses along the way, it's wearing you out because you have to make sure that they have what's coming to them. You have to replay every conversation in your mind and it's wearing you out and it's stressing you out. You know, stress is accumulated in assumptions. It's accumulated in me not having a conversation with somebody but me assuming something about them because think, think about it, when, when I make assumptions, I have to push people away. It's stressful, I have to fear hard conversations Stress is accumulated in assumptions. Why do we assume? A lot of times it's because we don't listen. Conversation is often a one-way street between us talking and the other person listening to us. We, we often make assumptions simply because we're not, we're not listening. And there's some of you in this room that like to listen. You don't like to talk. I don't get you, but there's people in this room that love to listen and, and, and don't like to talk. And you actually make it easier on those of us that do like to talk, so, so thank you. But for the most majority of us, we like to talk. Why? Because we, we like to talk about ourselves. And even when you're in a conversation, how many talkers do this? Even when you're in a conversation, you think of things that you're about to say before they get done. <laughs> Can I just say, I have made some amazing statements in an argument with Melissa while she was still talking in my head. Y'all know, know you do that. And so you, you think, especially if it's an argument or if you've assumed something bad. I'm sorry, baby. This is a confession. Hey, <laughs> forgot you were going to be here. But especially like if, 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 if they're talking, you, you immediately think of a reason why you did what they did or why you didn't do it the way they, they're, they're thinking you did it. Don't you? But what? Don't you hate it when you're thinking thoughts in your head and by the time they get done talking, they're not even relevant anymore? Do you know what I'm talking about? But why don't we do that? Because we like to make assumptions and we like to talk more than we like to listen. Here's what James says in James 1, 19. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He could have said slow to find offense. James writes this verse on the heels of some verses talking about Christian living and how we can live to honor God. And he follows it up by saying, be slow to speak, 
quick to hear, and slow to get anger. Slow to anger. That's not the way most of us are. Slow to offense. That's not the way most of us are. But when we remember we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, like your mama told you, it humbles us, right? Because think about it. As long as you're talking, most people like to talk about themselves. And as long as you're talking, it's usually you-centered, isn't it? But when you're listening, it's usually, it's usually them-centered. And unfortunately, relationships break down. Marriages end. Children go wayward because we make assumptions about the other person and we fail to truly listen to the other person. Unsent assumptions. And then the second one is unsent love. Unsent love. How many of you have ever experienced regret over something that you didn't say? I think some of us, we, we live where James is talking about and, and we talk too much and a lot of our regrets center around the things that we said that we shouldn't have said. But I think there's a lot of people that regret the things that they didn't say. Maybe you lost a loved one and you're left thinking, did they really know? Did they really know that I loved them? Did they really know that I had let that thing from years ago by, go by? Did, maybe you lay awake at night after a long day with your kids and you're kicking yourself because you really screwed it up. Am I the only one who does that? And you're thinking, I hope they know that their behavior does not determine my love for them. Or maybe you're a spouse and you're sleeping on the couch. Do people actually do that? I don't know. Don't raise your hand. But maybe you're a spouse and you're sleeping on the couch. And as you try to go to sleep that night, you, you wonder, I hope, they, I hope they know that I love them. You see, sometimes we regret the things we say. But oftentimes, I find myself more regretting the things that I didn't say. The things that... that that I, that I should have said, the things that I thought, but I never put in, into words. Something that somebody told me years ago, and I can't take credit for this, but I've tried to live by it, is if I think something nice about somebody, I say it. You've heard the, you've heard the statement, right? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, can we just reverse that? Can we put that in a positive light and say, if you think something nice, say it. If you think something nice, say it. Can, can you imagine what your household would be like if you started saying the good things you thought about each other? If you started saying, you know what, honey? You look pretty with no makeup. It doesn't matter to me if you have makeup on. Can, can you imagine how it would change the temperature in your house if you actually told your kids, thank you for listening to me this time. You know, you've been so good the last three hours. I mean, sometimes you got to search, right? <laughs> but can you imagine how it would change your relationships if you started actually saying the positive things that came into your mind? But so often we hold those for later or we hold those for the eulogy or we hold those for the birthday or we hold those for something else. Why are you holding on to good stuff? If you think something nice, say it. Let that be your new motto. If you think something nice, say it. Proverbs puts it like this, 16, 24. Solomon says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. In ancient times, it would have been believed that the sweetest honey would have come from the honeycomb. On top of that, in ancient times, it would have been believed that honey had healing powers. Even today, a lot of people 
use honey for things like anti-inflammatory. Did I say that right? Anti-inflammatory. I said that right. And, never mind. I'm arguing with myself. Anti-inflammatory. Uh, antibacterial. People still use honey almost as a, as, a, as a healing agent. Did you know that your words have the power to actually heal someone and to heal their day? As a matter of fact, I would argue that your words are either healing or hurting everyone that you utter. Parents, let me just say this. I don't want to get off on this, but, but, but parents, the things that you speak, especially as a believer in Christ, the things that you speak to your child and the things that you speak over your child, they have power to either heal or hurt them. Spouses, the things that you say about your spouse and to your spouse in the heat of the moment have the power to heal them or to hurt them. You can't just use your words to hurt people. Words really hurt, but the good news is, is because we are created in the image of God is our words have the power to also heal. Have you ever come home after a long day at work? I do this all the time. Come home, you walk in the door, and somebody that means something to you says a kind word to you. How quick does that shift your day? It has the power to heal. Your words, your words are, are, are important. Make sure you speak good things to each other. Make sure you speak good things to the people that you love the most, the people that, that, that you've surrounded yourself with. Don't be the person that's always focusing on the negative. Speak good things. If you think something positive, say it. Why do we hold it? Now, men, let me just say this. Don't be a creeper, okay? Like, don't talk to the lady that you're behind at Target and tell her you like her dress. That's just weird. That's not even nice. But if it's somebody that you love and that you know and you say, think something nice about them, say it. If I think something nice, say it. Unsent love, unsent assumptions, and then unsent forgiveness. Man, we know how to hold a grudge, don't we? Like, they said something to us on AOL Instant Messenger 20 years ago. And we still don't. Every time we think about them, we're still bitter about it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what AOL Instant Messenger is, it's totally fine. They said something to you mean on TikTok three months ago. I'm kind of modernizing it, trying to. Y'all like that? They said something mean to you 20 years ago, and you're still holding on to it. We love to hold our grudge, don't we? Or maybe you got a haircut. They didn't notice. Ladies, you paid big money for that haircut. They didn't notice. And you've held a grudge for, against them for months because they haven't noticed. Your husband didn't notice. Well, he thinks you're beautiful no matter what your hair looks like. That's why he didn't. I've used that one. No, sure. But you can't, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't hold a grudge. Unsent forgiveness is a killer to solid relationships. And what happens is when I hold a grudge against them, my communication breaks down with them because I don't want to talk to them and I won't hear anything they say anyway because I've built up so much disdain in my heart, in my heart for them. In talking with families and with couples, one of the things that I've come to realize 
is that oftentimes the things that couples especially want to work through when, when their marriage is at a, at a breaking point, oftentimes the thing that they're wanting to work through isn't really in what's going on right now in the relationship. Oftentimes, if you dig a little deeper, there's something in the past that wasn't forgiven, which has caused a communication breakdown, and it's caused them to hold a grudge. It's caused bitterness to, se- to settle in. And over the years of that happening now, they're at this breaking point. Why? Because they were unwilling to forgive and to communicate and to talk things out. You know, unforgiveness is kind of like a hiker. It travels. Any hikers in the room? Hiking to me is like a 30-minute trail in my Nikes. I'm not going to lie. But for people, that, for people that, that do hike, I hear, um, what you do is you, you put on a backpack. That backpack has everything you're going to need for while you're gone. It has your essentials, your food, water, your tent, if you're tent camping. But it has the things that, that you need to take with you. And it's already heavy enough, right? You know, life is already heavy enough. There's emotions that you have to sort through. There's hard days you have to work through. Life is already heavy enough. But what unforgiveness does is it's like that hiker going on a hike. And as you walk through your life, as you hike through your life, when somebody hurts you, you refuse to forgive them. So it's like you, you take it and you put it in your backpack because you continue to hold on to it because you're unwilling to forgive. So you put it in your backpack. You really don't notice. It's not really that much heavy, heavier now. So you continue on your way, and then somebody else hurts you. Maybe somebody said something about you behind your back, or maybe it was a really close friend that you felt like stabbed you in the back, and you're unwilling to forgive them because, after all, it hurt, and they need what's coming to them. And so you take it, and you stick it in, in the backpack. And then you continue on through your life. By this time, you're getting a little tired, but it's expe- you're expected to because, after all, it's life. And then somebody else, they offend you. Maybe they didn't even mean anything by it, but... It offended you in the moment, and you refused to deal with it, so you put it in the backpack. And by, by this point, it, it's, it's, it's getting heavier because you already have the stuff that you have to have for life in this backpack, but now you've picked up hurts and bitterness along the way. And, but what, what keeps you from getting rid of them is every now and then you take one of those things out, right, to win an argument. And when something comes up, you, t- you take it out of your backpack and you say, see, you hurt me then, you hurt me again. Every now and then you, you take it out and, and, and you hold it just so that people will know why you feel the way you do and why you're, why you're messed up and why you won't talk to them. Every now and then it's convenient because you take it out and, and, you, and you hold it up almost as a symbol of pride. This is how much I've been hurt in my past. And then you put it back in the backpack. And so sometimes it's, it's okay that it's there and you continue on through your life. And you get to the end of your life and your back is broken and you're worn out. And the reason is, is because you've been carrying so much of your past that you were never designed to carry. What are you packing with you today? From your past, a hurt, some bitterness, a relationship with ended, in, that ended that you need to unpack. Because it's wearing you out. It's wearing you out and it's ruining your, you from your effectiveness of, of, of doing anything positive. It's causing you to be offended at everybody else, even though they're not the ones that hurt you. 
What do you need to, to unload? Now, I'm not saying, please, please, don't, please don't hear me say that your, your hurts are not significant. I'm not dismissing your pain. I'm not dismissing your hurt. There's, there's some people in this room, and you've been hurt in ways that I couldn't even imagine or, or want to even imagine. But don't you think it's time to begin to take some of those out of your backpack and begin to, to try to tear them down? I mean, uh, us as a church, we would never leave you to do that by yourself. We'll walk through that with you. We'll help you with that. You can come to Celebrate Recovery on Thursdays. You can call the church office. We'll be happy to walk you through that. But it's time to lighten the load because it's affecting all of your relationships because you're holding on to that unforgiveness from the past. It's affecting the relationships in the present that mean the most to you. And you're tired and you're worn out and they're not getting the best of you and you're not experiencing the best of life. It's time to let go. It's time, to, it's time to work through it. Paul gives us some advice in Ephesians. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Did you catch that last part? If you're a believer in this room and you've put your faith in Jesus, You've put your faith in the creator of the world, the one that in John 1, 1 says he was in the beginning. He always was. Everything was created in him and through him. That creator was willing to step off of his heavenly throne and onto a dusty earth. That same creator was willing to withstand the same temptations that we face, was willing to live a perfect life, was willing to be beaten beyond recognition, was willing to spill his blood on a cross, hang there in spite of the fact that he could have gotten off anytime he wanted to, but you were on his mind. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and then three days later rose from the grave. Christ follower, if that God, if somebody's willing to forgive you like that for the little things that you've done, for the little lies that you've told, for the little things that you were able to even justify in the moment, for the big things that you didn't think you deserved forgiveness for, but you received them from him, for the big things, for for the cheating on your spouse, for the addiction that you've been carrying for years and running back to, for the big things, for, for the way that you treated the people around you, for the things that you have done that you've never mentioned, if that God is willing to forgive you who are you not to forgive other people what right do we have what what right do I have to be upset over someone forgetting to bring home the milk and holding on to that when I've been forgiving for so much and if you're not a Christ follower in the room I would nearly bet you that you can think of some things that you've been forgiven for in your past by people that you didn't deserve. Forgive others as Christ forgave you. And when we begin to work through forgiveness, we have to keep our eyes on all that we've been forgiven for, the sins that hurt Jesus a whole lot more than whatever they did to us hurt us. Clara Barton, if you recognize her name, she's the founder of the American Red Cross. She had had someone in her past that 
did something almost unmentionable to her. Years later, she's being interviewed and someone asked her about that situation. And as they're asking her, it's almost like, you know how you can have a look on your face and it tells the other person, I have no clue what you're talking about. But the reporter got the idea that Clara had no clue what she was talking about. And so the reporter asked her, she's like, do you not, do you not remember when they did that? No, she replied, but I distinctly remember forgetting it. That's called working through and forgiving. With every head bowed and every eye closed. What would you say this morning is the unsent message that you struggle with the most? Is it unsent assumptions? Do you assume that everybody's talking about you when they're not talking about you? Are you offended at literally everything that the people around you do and so they have to walk on eggshells around you? Is it unsent love? not by any fault of your own, but are you just terrible at telling people how you really feel about them? Or is it unsent forgiveness? Is there something that you need to work through from your past? Yes, it hurt. Yes, it was a big deal. But you got to forgive. You got to get it out of your backpack. Maybe some of you, maybe you need to make a phone call this afternoon. Maybe some of you need to initiate a conversation. You need to open up the lines of communication again. Maybe some of you need to come to Celebrate Recovery Thursday night or you need to call the church office and we need to talk. There's others in the room. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. And it's... <laughs> It's totally okay. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. You see, God knew before the foundation of the earth that you would be here this morning. And the Spirit drew you to this place so that you could hear how much He wants to forgive you. His message of forgiveness is never unsent. He's always willing to forgive if you'll accept. This morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're tired, tired of trying to do it all by yourself. You're tired of feeling like you're getting some things right and then messing it up again. The problem is not you. The problem is that you're doing it without Jesus. Nobody could do it. So in the quietness of this moment, you can say it out loud, but just say it in your heart, say it in your head, but just say this prayer with me. It's not magic. It's just a confession of who Jesus is to you. Just say, God, I'm tired of struggling by myself. My backpack is too heavy and I need some forgiveness. I know I've, I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. So I ask you to come into my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose. I ask you to forgive me of my past and to show me how to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.